It is time to seek the Lord until he come and rain righteousness upon you. Hallelujah. People many times are seeking the wrong thing from the Lord initially. The first thing we should seek is to be right with him. Can you say amen? Because blessed are they that hunger for blessings. No, blessed are, I'm hungry for blessings. Don't get me wrong, but that's not how you get the blessing is going after the blessing. You go after the blesser. Hallelujah. Blessed is the man that doth hunger and thirst after what? Righteousness, for he shall be filled. And when Pentecostals see filled, we think of the Holy Spirit and thank God he fills us. We think of the fullness of God and he fills us with all his fullness. But what the man is being filled with is what he's hungry and thirsty for in context. Righteousness. He is repented of his sin, even if he's a Christian. There are seasons when Christians need to have a holy healthy self-examination and to resist and reject what comes from the devil and that's condemnation the devil condemns us all the time but the holy spirit convicts us he shows us the same thing but he shows it through a different lens he says you see this you know this you need to get this right with god so the devil cannot condemn you Because the scripture said, this is the confidence we have in him. If our heart condemn us not, we have confidence toward the Lord. Amen. Because God is greater than our hearts and knoweth all that. Let me put that in context. There's a scripture in Hebrews that said, having your, 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 your mind and heart sprinkled from evil, literally from an evil conscience. And what that's really saying is none of the sins that are now under the blood should ever be used to condemn you. You you shouldn't drag them up and you shouldn't allow the devil to drag them up. As it is written, I will cast their sins away from them. How far? As far as the east is from the west. Praise God. We even got our bearings in this room. Amen. I looked at Rose, see which way she was pointing. But anyway, (laughs) hallelujah. I'm following your lead, trusting that you know where we are. Turn me around twice and even GPS can't help me. (laughs) But God is good today. Amen. You're... I, I, I have not had that happen in a long time, but just a few short months ago, I got up in the morning happy in the Lord and a sin of the past that I thought was past. I know it's forgiven, but it was kind of like it, the devil just held it over me and shook it over me. You remember that, don't you? You remember this. You remember that. How, how dare you think that God would bless you and continue to use you? How, you know, I mean, he was shaking. And I thought, I didn't think this up. I didn't, I didn't go there in my mind. But there is one who is called the accuser of the brethren. He's not just accusing the lost world out there that he owns. He's accusing God's children. Now is the accuser. Revelation 12, now is the accuser of our brethren cast down. And how frequently does he accuse them? That accuses them before God day and night. Remember the story of Job? 
there's an illegal angel. Remember the story of Jacob and Jacob's ladder, these angels ascending and descending through a corridor. The only way he knew it wasn't a physical ladder, we'd have a time getting in heaven, some of us, if we had to climb that far. Anyway, moving right along. Aren't you glad we're going to be caught up and we don't have to climb up? <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. But he saw angels ascending and descending, and he realized that God is involved through angelic assistance with man- mankind on the earth that trust in him. Praise God. Well, there was an angel that ascended, and they go here to carry out orders. They go there to get orders, ascending and descending. Angels, according to the scripture in the new covenant, are ministering spirits sent by God to minister distinctly, directly, in behalf of those who are sanctified, those who have been washed in the blood, cleansed, set apart for a holy purpose. Amen. Hallelujah. Angels descending. And an angel comes up that corridor, and that angel is not supposed to be there, has been banned from there, cast down to the earth. And God saw him coming. He didn't surprise God. If God didn't want this thing to happen as an example to us and for our learning and our knowledge and our understanding, it would have never occurred. Amen. He would have sent an angel to meet the angel. And I know which angel he would have sent to. Amen. His name is Michael. And, and don't think of our Michael. He was a bigger angel than that. And among other things, right? Give me fist bump. All right. Amen. And he said, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? He invited the conversation with the accuser. And he said, I've come to talk to you about all those people that you love and you bless and that love you. I'm putting my words in it so you'll hear it clearly, but it's there in Scripture. It's in Holy Writ. He said, if you didn't bless them, If you didn't keep them in kind of a bubble, a hedge around them, and bless them, they would turn on you. They wouldn't have nothing to do with you. They'd curse you. They would turn on you. And he said, have you considered my servant Job a perfect man? Now, you can point out all the flaws. We know he's not perfected through the blood and salvation, but he had a perfect heart attitude. And I taught on this recently on on our broadcast, and I'll get that to you. I didn't know if you'd make it back, so I didn't make it last night. But I'll mail it to you, or I'll bring it to you. We'll get caught up. Amen. If God sees a willingness in your heart, he will help you with the weakness of your flesh. I want to say that so loud and clear, and I want you to get it deep in your, your psyche. Hallelujah. If he sees the willingness in your heart, he will help you with the weakness of your flesh. And that's why he gave such grace to Peter. Peter did not intend to fail God. He did not intend to say he never knew him. It was his intention to stand as strong as he declared himself to be, but he found that he didn't have what he needed in terms of devotion to do that. But God saw the willingness... Everybody else saw the weakness, but God saw the willingness because man looks on what? The outward. Where's God looking? He's lo- Thank God he looks deeper. 
He's, he's looking within the heart, and he said, if, 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 the, if I can help this man through this crisis and this, this backsliding and this failing, if I can bring him through it by loving him and encouraging him instead of condemning him, he will become a choice servant of God because of that kind of love, mercy, and grace. And didn't he become that? Hallelujah. Praise God. So this is the kind of God that we're serving today. Have you considered my servant Job a perfect man? And the devil says, yeah, well, you take the hedge down. You let me add all his blessings, and he will turn on you. And God said, okay, I know his heart. I trust his heart. He took the hedge down. And then all the trouble came in. By the way, if you're going to say, well, you know, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, like, I'm like Job. I'm going, well, number one, I don't think we're perfect in that sense. Maybe it's good we're not that perfect. Maybe God can't use you as an example by letting all that occur. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Amen. I want to be better, and I want to do better. But he allowed this, every bit of it. Under, But he said, you can't touch his life. And all these things began to occur. By the way, if you're going to associate with Job, so many people living in defeat trying to associate with Job. He didn't stay in defeat. There was restoration. Amen. He lost children, but he lived to see more children than his children's children's children. He lost animals, but he regained. God multiplied back to him everything that through this trial was taken from him because he kept his trust in God. Point is, the devil is the accuser of the brethren. And there's another accuser, and it's our conscience. And that word is mentioned in that scripture in the New Covenant. Having your conscience sprinkled from evil. What does that mean? That means all of that that, that God used through the Holy Spirit to convict you of your need for salvation and repentance. The devil will use that same information to point the finger at you and try to condemn you. Try to disqualify you from the grace and mercy that belongs to you as a child of God. By the way, which, which is first, grace or mercy? Well, it's in chronological order in Scripture. Because Jesus, we have a high priest that was tempted in all points as we are yet without sin. Let us come boldly before the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy. Everybody say mercy. And then grace to help. In the time of any need. The reason there is a throne of grace is because God is a merciful God. And mercy is not for people who deserve anything but judgment. But they have obtained mercy from the Lord. They have obtained mercy from the Lord. And that's what gave Jeremiah hope when the whole nation of Israel is going into captivity because of their disobedience to God. Amen. He said, when I consider the wormwood, the gall, the bitterness of all of this, my soul is crushed within me. But this I recall to mind. 
Therefore have I hope. Thy mercies, say it with me, thy mercies are new every morning. Isn't that great? We have an opportunity every time the sun comes up to obtain mercy. Because His mercy is made available every day. Every single day. Hallelujah. Praise God. And that's why the target of Lazarus' faith, faith the target of the blind, blind Bartimaeus' faith was the mercy of God. Son of David, Heal me. I know you're a healer, and I have faith in your healing power. Well, that was a given. He, he, that, that, was, that wasn't something to go for. It's something to be received from him. But what we need to precede that is his mercy. Son of David, have mercy on me. He's saying, I know you've got the power to do it, but you do you have enough compassion and love and concern for me to show me mercy and release that power? Son of David, have what? Mercy on me. And, and Jesus, in this press of people all over him, this guy is hollering, Son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, have mercy on me. And he stops dead in his tracks. And out of all those people trying to touch him, he says, bring that man to me. There's a whole lot of people here with a whole lot of needs today, but that man right there knows how to get it met. Amen? Because he's making his appeal to that that is new every single day of God's existence concerning his creation. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, man don't have a lot of mercy. Man don't have much mercy, and in some cases they show no mercy. And David, David was told when he sinned against God by numbering Israel, <laughs> he was to, God gave him a choice, said, you want to fall into the hands of man for so many days and, and let your enemies prevail, or you want me to do the punishment? He said, let me fall in your hand. I don't care what the punishment is. Whatever it is, I know that you're a merciful God. It, it won't be to destroy me. It will be to instruct me. Let me fall into your hands. Can you say, man, not into the hands of men. They don't have any mercy. They don't show any mercy. But we serve a merciful God. And it isn't permission to sin, and it doesn't cover up sin, but it offers the answer for sin. And that is the absolute cleansing and forgiveness that is provided through the shed blood of Jesus. I plead the blood when the devil accuses me. I plead the blood when my conscience accuses me. Hallelujah, your conscience sprinkled from evil. I was thinking the other day, I've said it to congregations, and I just wanted to take it to myself. If, 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 if someone showed the, the sins of my past, everybody here has got a B.C. before Christ. And, and, and everyone here has some things after becoming a Christian that we have repented of and been forgiven of and delivered from. But if God put them on a panorama up here, I wouldn't just crawl under the chairs, hide behind the desk. I'd run out that door, get in my car, and haul tater. 
That's a southern term, and we're in the south. If this goes up north, that means call something else. Can you say amen? But I said tater instead. Anyway, I'd take off. I'd, want, I'd be too ashamed to look at you, and you'd be ashamed of me. Say, what? But he's cast my sins away. As far as the east is from the west, and the reason he did it is because his mercies are new every morning. So Jeremiah says, though they have sinned, they have rebelled. The justice of God and the judgment of God is in the land in Lamentations. Lamentations is the book of the blues. He's lamenting over the fact. By the way, he preached all of those years, prophesied as a major prophet, and there is no record of anyone turning to God. He got so disgusted and discouraged because all he got was his face slapped and put into a dungeon. He said, I wish I had a house. Even out further than Sean lives. In the boonies, in the sticks. He said, I, in wilderness, it wasn't talking about trees and jungles. It was talking about deserted places way far away from anything or anyone. He said, I wish I had a little house that I could live in away from all people and all circumstances. I wish that it was so far away into the wilderness that no one could find it, even with GPS. He didn't use those words. I'm putting that in. In other words, you'd have to stumble on it if you got lost to find it because there ain't no map or no road to get there. He didn't want to be around nobody anymore. He just wanted to go off and say, I don't need this. No one's listening anyway. They're, they're, they're worshiping idols, and God has spoke through me and spoke to me, and they still won't listen. So I just don't want to preach anymore. Down in the dungeon, he said it out loud. I I will not speak anymore. It's not helping them and it's hurting me. But as he mused on these things, if you're truly anointed, <laughs> you can't just up and quit because you're discouraged or disgusted. He said, it was as a fire shut up in my bones. I could not stay. I don't know if there were rats. There were probably rats in that dungeon, but he was preaching to those rats. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. He had to prophesy, thus saith the Lord, down in the dungeon. Praise God, because he was a true prophet of God. But when he saw this in Lamentations 3, his heart was crushed within him. And he said these, these words, this I recall to mind. Therefore have I hope. Thy mercies are new every morning. And generally we jump from mercy and emphasize faithfulness as a general statement. God is faithful. But in the context, it's his faithfulness to show mercy. Thy mercies are new every morning. Great it's still, we're still talking about mercy here. Mercy hasn't taken the back seat. If God's faithful to, to, to help and forgive, it's because He's faithful to show mercy. We never get so perfect that we don't need mercy. Amen. 
photographer. My my cousin used to work for Olin Mills, and he used to uh, set up and take pictures of cute little kids like that and handsome men like him and beautiful ladies like her. I was going to include myself, but Sean won't let me. Amen. Don't blame you. Okay. And he worked as a photographer, and he had heard the story of a traveling photographer back before Olin Mills time that went from town to town and house to house and there was a particular homely woman I want to I don't want to be mean to her but she was she was really didn't look well there's only three words I guess could describe her ugly trying to be kind here that is three words ug gully and she wanted her picture taken so he came and wanted it done in her home and while she sat in her parlor and 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 her hair looked you know crazy and and she just unkept and uncouth and unkind and and he took pictures from every angle. He tried to use cheesecloth, you know, to, to kind of dampen the shock of, of the features and everything. And she just, and she had an attitude. She had been bitter, and, you know, sometimes bitterness will show in your countenance. And she lived her whole life was in bitterness and hatefulness and meanness, and, and it made her look ugly. And so, because that's an ugly attitude. And he took all the pictures from every angle. They tried different lighting to get her in the best light that wouldn't bring out, you know, the bad features. And he took all those pictures. He had them developed. He brought them back in a, in a portfolio to open up and let her choose the pictures she wanted. And she looked for an hour and a half. And she didn't find one picture. And he was getting exasperated because he's went all this time and all of this trouble and tried all this to show her in the best light. And she said to him, she said, I don't want any of these pictures. You're not a very good photographer. None of these pictures do me justice. He said, lady, it's not justice you need, it's mercy. Can you say amen? Folks, I'm going to tell you something. If we got our just desserts if we got what we truly deserved there wouldn't be anybody go to heaven no not billy graham there's none righteous to meet god's standard i'm talking about god's standard not ours i'm not not i'm good as him or i'm good as her nor uh, 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 i'm better than them no god's standard nobody could go to heaven all it's an inclusive term, have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous. And it reiterates because some people think they are, and that's about as unrighteous as you can get in, in your thinking. And some think they know somebody. You know them after the flesh, and maybe they were wonderful. God knows them deeper than that. And he requires more than that. Except your righteousness exceed that of the scribe, the most holiest uh, religious people of the day, and the Pharisee. You shall in no wise enter the kingdom of heaven. 
Well, there's only one way in, then God has to show mercy to us. To grant grace to us, we go to the throne of grace because a merciful God is offering that grace to us. But we obtain first and foremost mercy. Great is thy faithfulness to show mercy. I have hesitated to pray for certain people because they were so ugly in their attitude. I have stopped short and said, how can I pray and intercede for that person? And I always pray for the soul first. While we're talking about that, remember as we work toward our closing here today. But remember, uh, remember Charles in Florida Hospital who had surgery and then the surgery went wrong and they had to have a second surgery. And uh, it's been over a month in the hospital uh, now. And uh, remember him. I went to pray for him. And as I approached his bed, I looked at his wife and I said, I want to pray two prayers. I didn't ask if he was saved. I didn't ask if he went to church. I didn't ask anything about his lack of or, 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 or full of religious experience. Because I want to receive and obtain mercy and grace to help. And if he's not saved, I want him to get saved so that he can have a father to call upon for help. And so I said, I want to pray for his salvation. And she went like that. But I wanted him to concur. And I said, sir, will, will you pray with me to have your sins forgiven? Will you repent of them and confess them and receive Jesus Christ as your Savior? Man, he grabbed hold of my hand, weak as he was. He grabbed hold of my hand, and he went like that. And we prayed the sinner's prayer. There might be a thousand different ways to pray it, but it has the same elements in it. I have sinned. I'm sorry for my sin. I repent of my sin, and I receive you and put my trust in you as my Savior, my Lord and my Savior. Praise God. Well, I didn't stay in the room to see what was going on. I know one thing. I prayed for his healing after that and his help for his need. But he wouldn't let go of my hand. And I thought if, he, if he's holding on to me, it's because he's reaching out to God. Because I represent the Lord here. And he's in a situation where man has done their best and they're throwing up their hands. And, and he, he, he wants the help that God is offering him. And I just stood there and talked about Jesus and his goodness to him. I said, I just began to worship. I said, Lord, you're so sweet. You're so kind. You're so merciful. You're such a good and gracious God. And we thank you for the salvation that is ours because of your son and our Savior. And I just, I just bragged on Jesus and worshiped God. And, and he just held on to my hand. And I just stood there for about 20 minutes just holding hands. Hallelujah. Why? Because the love of God came in that room and the love of God was flowing. Amen. Out of your belly shall flow. That, that river is a love river. Before you think power, think love. Because power flows through the river the, 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 of love. That's how it flows. It's the faith that worketh by love. Love propels it. Love provides it. Praise God. Love releases it. And without love, it becomes an empty-sounding brass thing, tinkling cymbal. But because of that love, and I felt the love of God for that man. Did he deserve it? No. 
Had he sinned against God? Obviously. Did God love him enough to want to forgive him? Seal him with the Holy Spirit. I didn't get to stay in the room when he finally turned me loose. <laughs> I, had, I had to get my wife ready for some things. And medically, I'm glad I got to go. But when Elaine called me, she said, you know, he doesn't understand everything, but he's just a baby Christian. And that let me know that his wife saw in him who sat there with him 24 hours a day. There's a change coming. Her husband, she's calling him what he is, a baby Christian, taking his baby steps. He don't get it all, don't understand it all, but he has prayed the sinner's prayer. And then we have agreed together for God to help him in the time of his need. And then the peace came into Elaine. And she said, even if he goes home now, I'm still trusting God. So one way or the other, it's what my wife said to me just before she went in for open heart surgery. She said, I will, and we're right there in the presence of the team that's going to provide it. She said, she said, honey, I'll see you on the other side, either here or there. Hallelujah. What a witness. What a testimony. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. God is merciful. So I go to God to obtain mercy. That means I'm praying for people who don't deserve it. And, and let me tell you this story before we close this, this part of our service and worship him, receive an offering. My pastor, a lady started coming to our church, and she was from a church denomination that believed if you were not baptized in water, there were, in, in immersion in water, it had to be the right kind of baptism. Uh, that you could not go to heaven. You could not go to heaven. So it was the its focus was on the baptism formula rather than the blood of Jesus Christ. So her husband got in the hospital. She ran a nursing home. They were quite wealthy. She ended up donating a, a, a Yamaha grand piano to the church. And I appreciated that. So my pastor at the time, which was also her pastor, which wasn't his pastor, his pastor from the church they went to came to visit him. And he said, is there any way that I can be saved? I can't come to church and be baptized. I can't go to where water is and be baptized. Is there any hope for me to be saved? And the pastor told him, you should have thought of that before you got in this condition. Do you really believe that Jesus suffered like he suffered to say no to somebody crying out to be saved, repenting of their sin? See what religion does? Man-made, wrong-focused religion. Bible said, don't lay again the foundation of baptisms. Make that the supreme issue. Go on to perfection. Listen carefully. My pastor went and he said, it's not too late. Would you be baptized if you could in obedience to God now that you receive Christ as your Savior? He said, absolutely. He said, then I'm going to baptize you now i believe in immersion is the right way to represent baptism as it should be 
But if you have to sprinkle somebody with water in the name of Jesus because they can't be immersed, I don't believe God is going to kick them out of heaven or ban them from heaven because that's not the, there's no mercy in it. There's no mercy in it. There's no mercy in that. And his mercies are new every morning. So he, he, got, he got a cup of water. And he dipped his hand in it and sprinkled him with it. And the man went to heaven with hope of salvation. He went home with hope of salvation. Well, I went in to pray for Mike's uh, relative, his uncle, in the hospital, in the nursing home. He received Christ as his Savior. And, and he wanted to be baptized. And he said, can I be baptized? I said, absolutely and I went and got a, a towel from the nurse. She brought me a pan of water. I dipped the towel in the water. We put a towel under his head, and I squeezed that towel on him in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and in the name of Jesus Christ. I covered all the bases because the devil will try to use anything to keep you from believing that you're forgiven. Amen. And keep pointing that finger, pointing that finger, pointing that finger, pointing that finger, pointing that finger. Amen. Hallelujah. How do you baptize, Brother Venable? I baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, in, and in the name of Jesus Christ, who is the Son. Well, Brother Venable, if you don't do it this way, oh, just quit it. Just quit it. I said what Jesus said. If we can't say what Jesus said, I, I believe it outweighs what anybody else says. Can you say amen? I use Jesus' formula. I reckon it'll do, but I throw in his own name on top of that to make sure nobody tries to talk you out of your salvation over the baptism formula and not the shed blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. I serve a good God. I don't know that other one. Hallelujah. He's a God of justice, but he's a God of mercy. And Jesus was raised for our justification. Praise God. He punished his son so that we could not be punished. Hallelujah. Jesus took it for our sake. Hallelujah. Two men, two of them, they sat they sat on a bench at the Holy Church of God in Sulphur Springs drinking beer at 10 a.m. They started drinking just after sunrise, and they didn't quit drinking till the sun went down. And I would wave at them, and they'd wave at me because they were catty-cornered to the Holy Church of God. And I would walk over to them, and I'd say, why don't you all come on in church and hear the gospel? He's, they said, well, we like the singing, preacher. We like the singing. We love the singing. And I said, well, good. Why don't you come on in and hear the word? They said, we hear the word. <laughs> I said, you do? They said, oh, we hear the word loud and clear. Do you realize when you preach over that microphone up there that we hear everything you're saying out here? I said, well, good. Come on in sometime. And one of them said, if I come in there, said the roof would fall in on me. You know, if I go to church, you know, I said, come on in, come on in. And I preached for years. And they sat on the bench and listened for years. And finally, I went to church. I don't know why I stopped that day. But I remember pulling in. I was going up to get something out of my office. And a lady pulled up that was a caregiver to one of these men dying of cancer. 
And she said, Pastor, you may not remember. She started describing, said that he used to sit on that bench right there. I said, oh, I remember him. I remember him. Said, well, he's dying. Would you come and pray for him? And I went and prayed for him and prayed that he would receive Jesus. And he, his conscience and the devil working against his salvation. He literally said, I haven't called on Jesus in all these years. There's no point in me trying to call on him now. I said, there's every reason to call. I tried to reason with him, but his conscience and the devil's accusations were leveled against him. And I had to walk away. I said, I'm going to pray for you, but you've got to pray and ask the Lord to forgive. Oh, I, I can't, I can't, I can't. Okay, I left. A week later, I got a telephone call. He's calling for you. And I went to the home where he was being cared for. And he was in the bed, couldn't move. He had throat cancer. He could barely speak. And he said, thank you for coming, Pastor. I said, are you ready to receive Christ as your Savior? I've been interceding for you. He said, yes, I am. And I said, all right. We prayed the sinner's prayer together. He confessed Christ with his voice. Amen. And I said, he said, can I be baptized? I didn't even bring up that issue, but he said, can I be baptized? I said, absolutely. I said, go get me a towel and a basin. She went and got the towel and basin. And, and I said, can we roll him up and put something under him? They had a pad that they could put under him because of his condition put the pad under him and I threw the sheet back off of him and I sopped it in water I started at his head and I went all the way down to his feet she said go ahead preacher I'll change him when you're gone I said all right and I wet him good amen I saturated him good in the name of the father in the name of the son and in the name of the holy ghost and in the name of Jesus Christ I baptize you Hallelujah. I went over to the side of the bed. I said, are you satisfied that you're ready to stand before God if he calls you home? And he reached up and I reached out my hand and he reached right past my hand, grabbed me behind the neck, pulled me right up next to his head. And he said, preacher, I love you. I love you. We know that we passed from death, spiritual death to life. Because why? Because we joined the church. We got baptized with that formula. No, because we love the brethren. Can you say, man? Hallelujah. Here's a man that was Christ rejecting and rejecting me all those years. But he kept hearing the word <laughs> and hearing the songs of Zion, sitting on that bench on all those Sundays. Did he deserve it down at the end? No. Did he receive it? Absolutely. Why? Because thy mercies are new every morning. Therefore, we have hope. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. 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 Three days later, I got a call from his caregiver. She said, last night, he went to the hospital, to the emergency room, and he passed peacefully into the presence of God. 
Amen. And I said, thank you for calling me. And I thank the Lord for his mercy, his love, and his wonderful grace. Hallelujah. By grace you are saved through faith. It is the gift of God. It is the gift, and it's because of his mercy. Thou openest thine hand. Look at the mercy. Thou, the psalmist said, Thou openest thine hand, O God, and satisfy the desire of every living thing. Glory to God. <laughs> Jeremiah said, It looks like this is complete defeat, decimation, disintegration. We're going into captivity. Our covenant with God is broken. His protection is no longer on us. It's all waste everywhere I look. But this I recall to mind. Therefore have I hope. Thy mercies are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness to what? To his own person, his own character of mercy and grace. Hallelujah. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. So, we don't have a high priest that can't be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was tempted in all points as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly with courage and confidence. Say it with me, with courage and confidence. Before the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and grace to help in the time of any need. It's not too late. You, if there is a sin, get it under the blood. Praise God. Don't, don't give the devil ammunition and don't give your conscience opportunity. Having our conscience sprinkled from evil, literally sprinkled from the guilt, the sprinkling of the blood, supposed to remove the guilt of the past. We are not supposed to be bothered by the past because the past is past. Our sins are cast away from us. This is God's part. Far as the east is from the west, their sins will I remember no more. And he wants us to not ever look back at a past that is past. I don't care if it was yesterday that you were forgiven. It's past history today. I had a lady come to our church. I'm preaching on the grace of God, and I'm a holiness preacher. And, you know, you can be careful. You can get off into, you know, legalism if you're not cautioned. It's like a pendulum. If you go into liberalism, then you don't have to do anything after you receive Jesus. You just live like the devil and go to heaven. That's liberalism. But if it swings too far the other way, you get into legalism. And you have to meet a standard to be saved. And the standard is the blood, nothing but the blood. What can wash away my sin? What can make me whole again? Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Hallelujah. That's pleading the blood. Hallelujah. In the right perspective. It is not a license to sin. 
What shall we sin that grace may abound? God forbid. For whoever you yield your members' servants to obey his servants, you are whom you obey, whether God unto righteousness or sin unto death. Amen? So grace is not permission to sin, but it's important to understand that without grace, we can't overcome anything. Paul said, I am what I am. Pentecostals kind of focus on his gifts, his revelations, his anointings, his deeds and acts of power. But Paul said, whatever I am, I am by the grace of God. And when people looked at them as some kind of spiritual supermen and women, you know what Paul said? Not that we are sufficient as of anything's in ourself, for our sufficiency is of the Lord. And Peter, when they begin to put him on a pedestal because of the anointing and the gifts of the Spirit through that holy apostle, why look upon us, he said in the book of Acts, after the lame man jumped and walked and run, a miracle had occurred. Why look upon us as by our power or our holiness this man stands before you whole? It's because we were so holy and we were so anointed. He said, no, 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 no. There's one reason, singular, that healing flowed when I took hold of his hand and yanked him up and said, in the name of Jesus, I give you. And he leapt and walked, he said, through faith in his name. Not Simon Peter's name. Not some faith healer's name. Not someone that is so holy that God granted him certain gifts. No, he had to get... You remember Peter? Without the mercy of God? Amen. He's the one that denied more than anybody else. But God gave him grace and God gave him mercy and God captured his heart. Through faith in his name. This man has his perfect soundness before you all. So don't put your faith in us. Put your faith in him. Hallelujah. 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 Are you getting anything about the mercy of God today? If our hearts condemn us, God is greater and he knows all things. And if God says, I don't condemn you, then you and I need to quit letting our heart condemn us any further. He's greater and knows all things. Amen. Remember the woman caught in the act of adultery, which was punished over by stoning? By the way, a lot of those things were given for the hardness of the people's hearts. It wasn't revealing God's heart at all. Because of the hardness of your heart, certain things were allowed in his permissive will, not in his perfect will at all. Jesus showed us the perfect will of God. She's caught in the act of adultery, and it's amazing that men were not punished for that. But they were in certain circumstances. But this was a woman. Caught in the act of adultery. And now those very high-ranking religious persons picked up the stones 
to kill her in the name of God. And they're getting ready to throw them, and Jesus walks on the scene. And he looks at her, and he looks at them. And he said, he that's without sin among you, if you're going to sit in that judgment seat to take a life, you're going to have to be 100% sinless, not self-righteous. It's a vast difference between totally sinless and self-righteous. They were self-righteous. But when he said, he without sin, let him cast the first stone, they're still poised to throw it in their self-righteousness until he bent down and with his finger began to write on the ground. What did he write, Brother Venable? It didn't say. But whatever he wrote made everybody drop their stone. Amen? I believe we can biblically safely surmise that their personal, secret, deeply hidden sins were being written out. I believe a sin was written and a name was written beside it of one of those guys standing there. Fornication. Charlie. Murder, Sammy, hatred, jealousy, envy, strife, pornography, sexual deviousness, self-righteousness. He just wrote and then he, and they all dropped their stones. Have you ever been approached someone trying to straighten you out and they're self-righteous? They have no mercy. They really don't love you. They're helping the devil condemn you. They're not interested in you getting right with God. They're just interested in showing you how wrong you are with God. I have. And then he goes over to the woman, and they all back off, and they all take off. (laughs) And he walks over to the woman, and she's looking at him. And he sees it in her eyes. What do you say? They're unholy and they're unrighteous and they would take great joy in killing me. But you're holy and you're righteous and what do you have to say? She looked in his eyes and saw mercy. She looked in his eyes and saw instead of hatred and self-righteousness and murder, she saw compassion. She saw love. And he answered the question in her heart. Neither do I condemn thee. And he made sure it was clear that mercy and grace is not a license to sin. He told her to go and don't sin any more. Because the sin after receiving mercy and forgiveness is a serious, serious thing. Because we're sinning in the light of knowledge. But it can still be forgiven if we're serious with God. Can you say, man, neither do I condemn thee. See, that was Paul's argument in Romans chapter 8 about salvation and forgiveness. What 
He said, who is he that condemneth? Who is he? Who? If God has truly forgiven, who is he that condemneth? The devil's not qualified to do that. Some priest of some religious order is not qualified to do that. Some other Christian can discuss with another Christian their need to get right with God, but they can't condemn them and judge them to some kind of punishment. That's above our pay grade. Because there's nobody here without sin. Not that it reigns in us, but we can't be sinless. Come on, Pentecostals. I know you've been told that. I was told that. But the people that told me that sinned. One guy ran off with the piano player. That's sin. Left his wife. That's sin. And he's the one that was telling me and everybody else. Listen, if we say, Christians, if we say we don't have any sin, we have arrived at complete sinless perfection. We lie and do not the truth. But if we confess our sin, omission, commission, He's faithful because of what? His mercies are new, great is His faithfulness. He's faithful and justified in forgiveness. Hallelujah. That's why repentance reveals the faithfulness of God to show mercy because every time people did it, He was merciful to them. Can you say man? Glory to God. Let me sum it up with this. I was going to have a short service because it's after Thanksgiving. Well, it's shorter than usual. We're summing it up. Shouldn't take over an hour to finish now. God is good today. There's somebody sitting here today and somebody's going to hear this. That the devil is saying, won't you just throw in the towel? Why don't you just quit even trying to serve God? You are so disqualified from grace and mercy. And you let them know, no, you're the one that's disqualified. Can you say amen? Paul said, who is he that condemneth? It's God that justifieth. Somebody's putting himself above God Almighty. Can you say amen? It's Christ that died. Come on, he's the one that paid the price for my sin. Who is he that condemns? It's God that justifies. It's Jesus that died, but yea, is risen from the dead. And why is he risen? For our justification, forensic, used in a courtroom. There's always going to be a prosecuting attorney. But oh, when Jesus stands, he doesn't have to say a word. He just has to show the scars on his hands and in his side. Can you say, man, glory, we have an advocate with the Father. Hallelujah. I said we have an advocate with the Father. Who is he that condemns? It's God that justifies. It is Christ that died, yea and is risen and that's the context where it goes on to say if God be for us who can be against us it's in this area of God's mercy juxtaposed against Satan's condemnation 
the Holy Spirit's conviction against the devil saying, why don't you just give up on trying to serve God? You've blown it. God don't want anything else to do with you. No, honey, you come home. He said, return to me and what's going to happen? What's going to happen? Return to me and what? I'll return to you. Can you say man? Hallelujah. What happened when the prodigal son said, I'm going back to my, my daddy's house. I'd rather be a servant. I'm not worthy to be called a son. And God said, listen, if you come home, you, can, you, can, you better get rid of that unworthy attitude if you come back to my house. Because I've been praying for you and I've been watching for you to come home. And the Bible said his daddy saw him coming a long way off. That meant every day his daddy got up because mercy is new. How often? Every morning, every single day. That guy was a rotten, scuzzy. I could say words that I need not say about him. But, amen, he was awful. He stood up and rebelled against his daddy and said, Give me my inheritance, old man. I don't want to wait for you to die. Life is too short. Give me my part now. I'm not, I don't want this farm, and I don't want to stay here. I want to go out and live my life my way. And his daddy gave him his inheritance. He took off, and the Bible said he spent all his money on, on riotous living. Party hardy until the money's gone. When the money's gone, those fair-weather friends left with it. And when they were gone, he had no job and no means to eat. And he told a man, I will feed your hogs corn if you will let me eat the husk. He didn't ask for the corn or some of the slop. He asked for the husk of the corn because he was starving to death. And, it, you know, some people are hard-headed. It finally occurred to him, I'd rather be a servant. Servants in my daddy's house eat better than this. Sin has cost me. It didn't give what was promised to me, the fulfillment. No, it did not. I, I'd rather live in the barn, sleep in the hay, eat with the servants. I'm no more worthy to be called. See the repentance and contrition to be called my father's son. But the father saw him coming a long way off. Mercy is new. And he ran to him. Didn't I say return to the Lord? He'll return to you. He ran to him, fell upon him, wrestled him to the ground, and slapped him around and said, look at you now. You sorry something another. Look what sin has cost you. Yeah, you better go to the barn. You better go to the barn all right. Wait, where's my belt? Go cut me a limb. Amen. First thing I'm going to do is whoop you. And I'm going to whoop you good, son. You ain't too big to get a whooping. I've been working out just so I could beat you. First thing he did before anything else was kiss him. He fell upon him and kissed him. And then he looked at what sin has cost him and said, Look, they're good enough for you. You know what he said? Somebody bring him a robe. And don't bring some leftover robe in the back of the closet. Bring the best robe. And the best robe there is is the robe of righteousness. Can you say, man, <laughs> called the wedding garment in the new covenant. Go, look at his feet. They're bruised and blistered. His shoes have been worn his sandals off of his feet. Go and bring shoes and put on his feet. And go get a ring 
He doesn't have a penny to his name. He has no no connection with with his family anymore. Go get a ring. And it wasn't just a big diamond or ruby. It was the family signet ring that was used when family matters were sealed, that they would put the wax on the parchment and they would seal it with the family crest. And what it was saying is, you are not only my son, you are a son in full standing. Hallelujah. Amen. And your seal is like my seal. <laughs> what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. What you lo- Come on, let's get into this thing. And what you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven because you're a full-blown, bona fide son of the living God. Can you say amen? Hallelujah, hallelujah. You are not a servant. You're a son. And benefits of sonship. It's the only way you can come back. You can't come back as a servant, but you can come back as a son who serves. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, and while we're at it, go kill that calf that we've been fattening up for some special occasion, corn fed. Go kill that calf. Why? Why celebrate? For this, my son, that was lost, he's found. This calls for a celebration. The self-righteous son who never experienced grace or mercy because he didn't feel he needed it was upset. He told his daddy, I've been here. I've been faithful. I never left home. I was obedient to you, and you didn't kill no catted faff. He was so mad he couldn't talk right. I got out of that pretty good, Brother Taylor. Amen. (laughs) You didn't kill no catted faff for me. I mean fatted calf. I was so mad. I called him. Anyway, he was angry. He was angry. He was angry. Jesus told the parable, we got to get out of here, but I'm having fun. I tell you, I'm glad I got the family signet ring. Amen. We can bind and loose down here. We, we are the children of Almighty God. We are not some kind of condemned stepchildren. Amen. Come on. We are the sons and daughters of Almighty God. Joint heirs, therefore, with Jesus. Can you imagine that? Joint heirs. We are heirs of God. If we are sons of God, we have to be heirs of God. And and the writer says if we are heirs of God, then we've got to be joint heirs with Jesus. For we have been seated. I gotta hurry. How how can we hurry? How can we how can we how can we flip it on and flip it off and how can we already be thinking about our bellies? Amen. I know mine's growling. It's okay. Go ahead and growl. Amen. I'm not gonna put my mic up there. I can feel it rumbling. What kind of love is this? What kind of grace is this? What manner of love is this? That we might be called the sons of God. So Paul said, who is it that condemns? It's God that justifies. It's Christ that rose from the dead. 
you got the blood of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, and the judge of the universe pronouncing you forgiven and righteous. Not being found. And being found. Where are you going to be, Brother Vim, if you knew he was coming tomorrow? Where would you want to be? I want to be where I am today. I want to be found where? Are you going to be in church somewhere in just praying? I might be in there praying for people who are not ready to meet him. But I won't be in there praying for me if I knew he was coming tomorrow. Because I'm ready. Oh, you didn't hear me. I'm ready. Hey, your heart could quit pumping today. My wife had to be taken by an ambulance. They wouldn't let me drive her to St. Joseph because she's so clogged up she could have had a major heart attack and been gone. You've got to be ready. And the blood has made me ready. Hallelujah. And my faith in the shed blood has made me ready. And he who shed his blood declared that I'm ready. I belong to him. I'm a son of God. Hallelujah. I'm, I'm not on trial. I've been tried and, and exonerated. I've been, I've been acquitted. And in man's law, you can't be tried for the same crime twice. Amen. Go ask O.J. if you don't believe it. Can you say amen? Amen. And God's law is a higher law and he's a greater judge. And if, and if he says you're forgiven, if he says you're acquitted, it's not giving you license. It's giving you a reason to serve him with all you have and all you are. Because a God that loves you this much is worth your, your total commitment, your deepest devotion. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. What more should we say to these things? You ready? Is that a drop mic moment? What more should we say to these things? That's it. That's it. Who is he that condemneth? And God is saying, let him step forward. I've acquitted. So don't you let, and don't let the devil, don't let somebody else, and don't let your conscience, which God gave you, to use to convict you in the first place. He lighteth every man. That little light inside that illuminates no matter how dark the darkness, God put it in there so the Holy Spirit could appeal to conscience. And he comes to convict and bring us to Christ for forgiveness and salvation. The devil comes to use that same conscience to condemn and say, why bother serving God? Like the guy told me, I haven't served him all these years. I, there's no point in me calling on him now. He was so convinced God would not forgive him because he was too far gone had said no too many times. And yet he's the man I baptized who pulled me to his side of his head and said, I love you. I love you. I love you. And he, come on. Hallelujah. And I thought, Lord, look at here, look at here. After all of these years and all of these tears, the devil didn't win the final battle for that soul. Jesus won it at the cross. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. His partner that drank beer with him, I went to an upstairs apartment right back behind that bench they sat on. And he was dying of lung cancer. 
And we prayed the sinner's prayer. And I baptized him with a glass of water. Hallelujah. Won both of those guys after 20 years. 20 years of the devil saying, they're mine. But I remember the guy saying, I said, come on in and, and come on in and, and hear the word. Come on in. He says, oh, we hear it. We hear it. <laughs> Hallelujah. I pulled in a store on Bush Boulevard, some big box store that used to be around Kmart or somewhere, and I got out of the car and I started I started to walk in and, and somebody said, You're that preacher. They were coming out. And I didn't have all my preacher clothes, you know. I said, You're that preacher. I said, Yes, I am a minister of the gospel. I said, over at Tenth and Sick and Sulphur Springs. I said, That's right. I said, That's two story church. I said, That's right. They said, every time we go by, we roll down the windows. We can hear you preaching. <laughs> oh, they didn't just say you're that preacher. They said, I remember now, they said, you're that loud preacher. <laughs> and I said, yeah, that's me. That's me. Because we had those big clip speakers up. And we cranked it up. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. There's power in the Word of God. There's power in the Holy Spirit. There's power in intercessory prayer. And there's power released to save through the mercy and grace of a God who changes not. I'm glad I know Him today. Hallelujah. Will you stand to your feet today? Let's give Him praise as we leave this place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, these messages go up on the web, but that's the web, and there's all kinds of media ministries out there. God gave me this message today. It's because someone is in this room that either needs it right now to get past your past and go forward. Or you're going to need it in the near future. Because his word doesn't return void. It has a purpose. It has a target every single time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know one thing. When I start appealing to God's mercy, it doesn't matter anymore. I quit looking at circumstances or the past. I only look at the cross. I only see Jesus. Bleeding, suffering, dying, staying on the cross until the last bit of God's wrath is burnt out in Him so that that person who needs forgiveness can obtain it based on His sacrifice. Hallelujah. It's one thing I know there's a lot of people against me down through the years. But one thing I cling to, God is for me. Hallelujah. Whether I'm up, whether I'm down, whether I'm applauded or whether I'm booed. We had a witch that used to sit in back of the church and try to cast spells on us. Didn't work. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because God is for us. Who? can be against us. 
the devil is a liar and the father of it. And when your conscience tells you something different, your conscience is a liar now. Let God be true, and every man become the liar. If you need a miracle, go to the throne of grace to obtain what's available to you every single day. Mercy and grace to help. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't tell him how good you are. Tell him how great he is and how good he is. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Amen. Heavenly Father, somebody is going to go forward. That's been, they haven't went backward. They just quit moving forward. They have been stymied. They have stopped their forward momentum. But I believe after this morning, they are back in the race. I believe they're not on the sidelines somewhere. And I don't believe they're stumbling along. I believe they're going to run the race that is set. So that when we get to the finish line, we can say, I fought a good fight. I have kept the faith. I've finished my course and I'm ready to be offered up. Can you say amen? Somebody's going to go to the throne of grace and you're going to have the faith to receive the miracle that you need and the answer to prayer that you need because your conscience or the devil or anybody else is not going to be able to point a finger at you anymore. Hallelujah. Why? Because it's God that justifies. It is Jesus that died. Yea, is risen from the dead for your justification. Hallelujah. 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 Ye korombo hasanda. Ye kalaba hasiti andadaba. Roshalaba kasanda daba sitia. Oh, Father, we praise.